we do our projections based on five years, but we also use common sense and business sense once we purchase, and whatever makes the most sense based on capital preservation first and foremost, and then meeting the goals we have for the investors and then exceeding them. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, are you looking for some financing, maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects? Are you looking to grow your fix and flip business? Well, guess what? Got a solution for you. It's Fund That Flip. You know Fund That Flip. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fund That Flip, has been on the show multiple times. He's a friend of mine, and they love working with the best ever listeners. They provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, Go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com. Best ever listeners, how are you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff. We are doing follow along Friday today. I am joined as usual by Theo and also Jack, our mascot for the show, old 12-pound Yorkie. And today we are doing Facebook Live. So if you are listening to on the podcast, then great. If you are watching via YouTube, then welcome and hope you enjoy the show. If you're watching via Facebook Live, then you can comment below right now. And we have a team member, Grant, who's responding to you. And if you have any questions, we'll probably get to them on next Friday's episode, not today. We got a lot of stuff to go over today. Today we're going to go over the itemized costs for each of the 10 due diligence documents that we mentioned two Fridays ago, and that was episode... 1,116. Man, that's a lot of episodes. It's a lot of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> episode 1,116, we went through the 10 due diligence documents for apartment buildings, and then we had some follow-up questions on... How much does that cost approximately? And Theo's going to walk us through that. Additionally, we're going to answer some other questions that you have. And then we got some miscellaneous things. And lastly, yes, I have a lisp today because my other half of my mouth is numb from the dentist. And for I think this will be the last time this happens. So bear with me. And Theo's going to do a lot of talking today. Ready to go? Let's do it, Joe. All right. As Joe said, we're going to first, we're going to go back over the list of the 10 documents required for due diligence and their cost. So just overall, the cost will be around $30,000 to perform the due diligence. So just know that going in. For the itemized costs, I'm just going to go over the titles. And again, if you want to know what these documents actually are, listen to 1,116, and we went into a lot of detail on that. But first, you've got your financial audit which costs about $6,000, and that will be from a financial services consultant. Number two, you've got your internal property condition assessment, or PSA, and this will be performed by a contractor, and that costs about $2,500. And PCA. Did I say PSA? Yeah, yeah PCA. PSA. Yeah. Number three, four, and five are actually going to be done by your property management company or a property management company, if you have one. And that's a market survey and condition report, a lease audit, and a unit walkthrough. 
So this would cost about $4,000 to do. However, if you're going to use the company that's going to perform these reports for your property management company, you should be able to get it for free. So that's a $4,000 savings right there. Number six is a, a site survey. That'll be about $6,000. Next, you've got your PCA again. And this one's performed by the lender. The first one was actually performed by you internally. And that'll also cost $2,500. If you got your environmental site assessments, also performed by the lender, also $2,500. Number nine, your standard appraisal, also performed by the lender or they hire out a third party. And that'll be $5,000. And number 10 is that green report. And that is also performed by the lender and that'll be $3,500. So if you add all those together, including that $4,000 for the numbers three, four, and five, it'll be about $32,000, but generally be around $30,000. So my question for you, Joe, is, is this something that the syndicator would include in their money raising or is it something that's independent outside of that, like an out-of-pocket cost from the syndicator? Yes, yeah, factored in the closing costs. Okay. And that's part of the money that's raised slash you're investing alongside the investors. Okay. It's just a line item on the budget. Okay. And you typically don't need to pay out any of these prior to closing. Once you close, then you pay out from the closing proceeds. Mm, okay. I know for, I believe this is correct, I know that for smaller properties, at least for the appraisal, we had to pay that out of pocket and then we got it credited back at closing. Okay. So yeah, but I guess it's different for... And for, do you remember how much your appraisal was on your... Do you have 12, right? 12 units? It was 12 units. I'm not 110 sure, but I think it was under $1,000 per building. Yeah, because it can fluctuate based on different variables. And I imagine with the smaller buildings, mm -hmm. it would be less. And I remember getting an appraisal. When I did my master lease on my first apartment community and I ordered the appraisal, it was, I want to say 1500 bucks. Okay. And that was on a 150 plus apartment building. And we just quoted here 5,000. So it does fluctuate and I think it depends on who's ordering it, what's the purpose, how large of a scope is it, what's involved in the appraisal. So just know that these are estimates but this does give you a, a very good ballpark idea for mm -hmm. how much you're going to spend. And again, if you want more details on each of these 10, then go listen to episode 1116, and we describe the purpose for each of these 10, so we're not mm -hmm. going to do it on this episode. And I believe these numbers are specific for a deal that you guys have. Oh, yeah. So that we're based off of that size of a deal. Just wanted to throw it in there. And those size of deals are around 250 mm -hmm. or so units. Okay, so moving on, we've got four listener questions that were submitted. The first one is by John, and he said, I'm in New York where 20 unit apartments cost $8 million. How do you go about getting it? Do I wait until I have you know, the $3 million saved up for a down payment, or do I start with single family residences, or do I do something else? I don't know what you do. It depends on your goal. I know that's a pretty ambiguous and cryptic answer, but it's a pretty general question, and I'm not sure what you should do. You could choose to buy your own apartment building and save up 
if on a $20 million purchase, I suspect you will have to bring more than $3 million. You'll probably have to bring 30%, maybe even 35%. I don't know. depends on various things. If that's not in your near future and you want to get started sooner, then maybe leverage where you live in New York, where you likely make more money on average than other people who are doing your same job in Iowa or in Idaho or even in Texas and look at property there to bring your money into a market that has more deals that are more favorable for cash flow. I have no clue what your goals are. If your goals are to generate as much cash flow as possible and you're not as focused on appreciation or forced appreciation, then you would take a different approach than if you are just looking to park some money and beat inflation. So too broad of a question for me to answer, but those are some thought starters. So the next question from City Park Properties, and he wants to know if Colleen, Joe's wife, is supportive of your aspirations. Yeah, she's enjoying the fruits of the aspirations, (laughs) that's for sure. And we are, as I've mentioned many times, We really are minimalists, not to the extreme scenario, but anytime we buy something, I want to give something away, and I just don't like stuff. As far as some of the quirky things that I do, yeah, she supports it. Every morning I have a, I've talked about this, a liter of water with a scoop of wheatgrass, and now she does it. She's been doing it for the last year and a half or so. I write in my journal every morning the affirmations that we talked about last Friday. And she has purchased the journal, but she hasn't started writing in it yet. (laughs) But she has baby steps. Baby steps. I recently purchased what you affectionately call a death clock. (laughs) (laughs) And I made the mistake of calling it a death clock. And Theo's going to show you, everyone who's watching via Facebook Live or YouTube, he's going to show you the death clock. He's just going to turn the camera around so you can see the death clock and basically for anyone who's listening and not able to see the death clock think of it as if you're at a basketball game and you see a countdown for the shot clock think of it like that but it's more rectangular and it has days hours minutes and seconds and the purpose of this death clock is actually is counting down to when I'm 90 and I figure if I live to 90, then I... Oh, Theo just got his seat <laughs> stolen from Jack while he got up to show the death clock. If I live to 90 years old, then I think I've lived a good long time. And so the purpose of this for me is to show that every second counts. And it's a constant reminder. It's on my wall in my office reminding me that what I'm doing right now is important because the moment just passed. And I want to make sure I'm spending the time correctly, whether it's with you all on the show or whether it's with Colleen or whether it's doing something else, but time is precious and it's fleeting. So that's the purpose. Now, how I have revised it, the approach for Colleen in particular, because she's like, I don't like the death clock. And there's like a green glowing light that comes from the office and it's near our bedroom. So it's like constantly reminding us of like green glowing light out from the office. And so we have to like unplug it at night. 
What I do now is instead of it being a death clock for her, now it is simply a countdown to my 90th birthday so we can celebrate my 90th birthday. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so it, yeah, sometimes I switch things up a little bit just to not have her get caught up in my crazy thought process was how I think of certain things. But absolutely, she is in support of my aspirations and she is incredible. Not everything is roses and rainbows and unicorns. And during those times, she's been incredibly supportive, and I'm incredibly grateful that I met the love of my life and be with her forever. Awesome. I enjoy the, the kind of the death clock or the 90th birthday clock. The next question, also by City Park Properties. He wants to know, what is the average... He or she. Every time. He or she. I'm probably going to make the same mistake again, so I apologize ahead of time, and Joe will correct me. City Park Properties, he or she, asked, what is the average length of time Ashcroft keeps a property? Five, five years. Joe mentioned one of the metrics for a deal is the 18% IRR on a five-year sale. Are they often selling at the five-year mark? I mean, ultimately what we do is we do our projections based on five years, but we also use common sense and business sense once we purchase, and whatever makes the most sense based on capital preservation first and foremost, and then meeting the goals we have for the investors and then exceeding them. So in that order, those are three orders of priority. Capital preservation, number one. Number two is meeting goals. Number three is exceeding goals. We might sell early. We might sell later. We have the flexibility. That's an important thing with the debt that we're putting on these properties to hold on to it should a market correction take place. And we need to hold on to it longer than five years. So that's our approach. Okay. A last listener question, also by City Park Properties. He or she asked, for limited partners, is it... 70% of anticipated return of 8% versus 30% for the general partners. In little context, this is in response to you saying that you offer an 8% preferred return. Anything above that is a 70-30 split. Mm -hmm. Okay. Maybe he's asking, is it 70% of the 8% or is it after 8%? Okay. I don't quite understand the question either. You don't quite understand it? Okay. I'm going to take it, maybe he's asking, is it 70% of... The first 8% of cash flow that the property has, and that's 8% of the total equity that is brought by the group of investors. So let's do simple math. If it's a million dollars worth of equity that was brought to the deal, then 8% of that is $80,000. So the first $80,000 of profit goes to investors because that's their 8% return. And then typically, and this is depends on the deal, but typically if it's a 70-30 deal, then 70% of anything above that, so let's say it's $90,000 total profit for the year, a million dollars was the equity that was brought, $90,000 total, then 80,000 of the 90 goes to investors, and then the remaining 10,000, 70% of that, so $7,000 goes towards the investors and 3000 goes to the general partnership. The next part of his question might clarify a little bit because he wants to know what's the initial investment required to be considered a limited partner. So I guess he's maybe asking, if I invest in your deal, no matter how much money I invest, am I considered a limited partner? Or yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's no tiers of if you invest 50000 you aren't on the LP side, limited partnership side, versus if you invest a million five. Now you will have less ownership shares of the deal, but that's just on a return standpoint, 
there's really no other benefit, but the return standpoint is a huge benefit. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So that concludes our listener questions. Let's move into some updates and observations for the week. So, Jody, any updates on your business from this let's, past week? Yeah, let's see. I'm going to the Memphis Invest Conference. I'm speaking there this Saturday, which will be October the sixth, I believe. Right, seventh. Okay, this Saturday I'll be in Dallas at the Memphis Invest Conference. Speaking at 9 a.m., it's free. It's a no-sales thing, which is really the only type of conference I want to speak at. It's just purely, hey, this is some good info. Chris Clothier puts it on, and his group. The owner of the Atlanta Hawks will also be there speaking. So if you're in Dallas this Saturday, then go to Memphis Invest website and look up the details for how to get a ticket and to attend. The conference is Friday and Saturday, but Friday I will be with Frank, my business partner, and our largest investor touring some of our properties that we have with him. So I won't be attending the conference Friday. However, I probably go to dinner with everyone Friday night, mm-hmm. and then Saturday I'll be doing that keynote. So check that out. Looking forward to seeing you there. Come up to me on Saturday after the keynote if you attend and you are a listener. A couple other things. Yeah, I've been following the Amazon headquarters that they're going to be awarding to a city in the U.S. It's going to be their second headquarters. $5 billion investment and 50,000 jobs is mm-hmm. what they're projecting to the city that's awarded it. And I've had some questions. I had one question from an investor. Well, should I wait until a city's awarded it and then try and buy some real estate around there? And my thought process is, how lucky are you? Do you go to the casino a lot? And if so, do you win at the roulette table? Because basically what they're asking, because once the city is awarded the deal, 90% of the real estate investors in that market are going to be aware of it. And now your prices are going to get increased. So you might as well not wait on that. I would say if you find a good deal Mm -hmm. now, just invest in a good deal or buy a good deal. As far as the cities go that are going to be in top contention, and as far as the city that is my pick for winning it, I want to make a prediction. And Amazon is not going to award it until next year, 2018. So we got some time. But I'm going to go ahead and say my top four cities. And in fact, I'm going to make say my top four cities. And then later, I need a little bit more time. I'm going to pick the city I suspect will mm-hmm. get it. So my top four cities that will be one of the four that are selected will be Denver, Dallas, Chicago, and Atlanta. Those are the four cities based on what I'm seeing Amazon looking for and what is currently available and just what makes sense based on what I think one of those four will be awarded the headquarters. So Dallas, Denver, Chicago, and Atlanta. And on a future episode, but prior to 2018, I will give you my selection for who I think Amazon will pick. Ultimately, it's like the roulette table. Who knows? But based on some things I'm reading, those are my four cities. And it's a huge economic impact. Yeah. I used to work for a logistics company, and I would run these models to figure out where we'd put these distribution centers. I know that the Amazon headquarters might not be an actual distribution center, but you know, they calculate like how the distance from this city to other major cities based off of what items those people purchase. And you know, all four of those places are like top distribution hubs. So when you said it, my first uh, answer was Atlanta. 
just because I know that the company I work for, that's their top choice for not a headquarters, but a distribution main hub. Um, so if I had to guess, I'm, I'm putting my uh, my idea in Atlanta. You're picking early. With no yes, information Atlanta. at all. With no information <laughs> at all. All right, cool. I do well at the casino, so. <laughs> <laughs> you are good at blackjack, you told me. Yeah. yeah. Atlanta is Theo's pick. I'll announce mine sometime before 2018. Anything else? Anything else? Oh, lastly, we did an interesting analysis across all of our portfolio looking at our projected rents versus our projected premiums that we're going to get on a renovated unit versus what we're actually getting. And we are getting on average 9.1% more on our renovated units across our entire portfolio than what we projected in our performance. It's a wonderful thing to see. And the range goes from 3.5%. And that's on a property that we recently purchased. So I think there needs to be a little bit more data to help us see how that is going to do. But still, we're hitting our projections on the renovations and we're going above 3.5%. So it's still a great thing. And then all the way up to, I wrote down 16.2% wow. on a property. And, and then anywhere in between for the other nine properties. So I think it's a product of a couple things. One, let's be honest, it's a great market right now. And it's a great time to own apartments, but then also we're in Dallas, Fort Worth, mm-hmm. and two in Houston. And this factor is in Houston too, but primarily Dallas-Fort Worth, and it's a great market to be in right now, and I think in the foreseeable future. So one is just we picked the right market at the right time, but also we're just lucky because we are living in this time in life, and that's just how things are. Then two, it goes back to conservative projections and wanting to understate what you think you'll do and then exceed expectations. And then three, having a management partner that can execute the business plan because we all can be spreadsheet millionaires, but are we really millionaires whenever we actually go and implement the business plan? And that's where the on-the-ground team and staying close to them doing the asset management comes into play. Congratulations on those projections. Yeah. That's really nice. Yep. What about you? What's going on? Uh, there's really not much. I know last week I was talking about my boiler, boiler yeah. issues on my three four-unit properties. And I got a quote back for how much that's going to cost. It was actually a lot less than I expected. I mean, it's a lot of money, but it's a lot less than I expected. I was expecting $10,000 and then it being $3,400. And that is replacing a couple of the radiators, replacing all these valves that they use to bleed all the radiators. Sorry, you had to bleed all the radiators. And then just maintenance on the actual boiler itself. I was very surprised at how much it costs to fix those radiators. But I'm not scheduled to have it done for... A couple weeks out. So I'm going to have at least one other person come in and look at it and just to give me a, another price just to make sure that this guy's not dipping me off. I have no idea how much it costs to fix these things. And so that's just for one of the buildings. And at the same time, I'm just going to just knock out the other buildings, boilers, and radiators too. So I'll have them go to each of those units, pull off the radiator tops, and look in there and make sure that the whatever those, those valve things are, the sticks... There's one that, I wish is the way I could show a picture, but it literally looked like something I said that last time, off the Titanic. Like, it was mm. so rusted or corroded. It's just amazing that that's just, like, sitting next to someone's head when they're sleeping. Mm. And that the previous owner just 
didn't address that, and the inspector that was looking at it missed it because you can see the rust on the ground. It was frustrating, but again, it just is what it is, and now I know moving forward what to look for. And my hope is that overall, to get all three boilers up and running is less than my initial $10,000 mm-hmm. mark. And then right now, we actually have enough money to buy another fourplex or another property around the $200,000 range, but we're going to wait until we get this issue figured out first, just because you might open up, you might go to the second building and they need a brand new boiler, which is like 15 grand or $10,000. And so we're just gonna just kind of wait until we get this figured out and then in the winter, find another fourplex to buy. How I'm going to find it, (laughs) it was funny. I didn't hear this anywhere, but I was driving around and kind of looking at a building, kind of driving for dollars. I thought to myself, I wonder if properties that don't have newer windows, like have those really old, like swinging open windows, the manually ones, I wonder if people that own those are more willing to sell than someone who, you know, put brand new windows on there because someone that put brand new windows on there, Mm -hmm. windows are so expensive. The return isn't for a couple of years. And so obviously they are thinking a lot more longer term than someone who may be not thinking long term. It's like, oh, maybe I'll plan on selling this building in the near future. So there's no point to put new windows on there. And so... I'm going to drive around to fourplexes and find ones that have older windows and just mail to them and just see what happens. And also a combination of other distress. I was going to say, I think that's a microcosm of some other larger things you could look at, too. Because most of the properties that I've seen, I haven't written anything down, but just from looking, if they have newer windows, they also have nice landscaping, they got paint, their lawns cut. But then the ones that have like the older windows, you know, the paint's chipping off the windows, mm-hmm. the bushes are overgrown, and uh, just kind of this isn't nice and it's a little distressed. You're driving around this weekend? When are you doing that? I'll probably do it on Saturday because Marcella is out of town okay. again, so I've got nothing else to do. When you drive around, are you having a notepad and make note of the address and something distinctive about it so that you can personalize the note? to the owner? Yep, so the plan is to go, and I think I got this from one of the blog posts you wrote. I take a picture of it, um, just so I remember what the property is, yep. and then I find something distinctive about it, like, oh, the windows are old, or you know, the garbage cans are out, or whatever it is, lights out, whatever it is. And then, yeah, you kind of use that as an introductory during the letter, so it's not just some generic letter. It's more personalized. and Without offending them. Without offending them, yes. Right. And my friend has had, actually had a lot of success with mailers in the area that I invest in, the neighborhood that I'm going to invest in. I mean, he's gotten a lot of responses, just he obviously can't buy all of them, but he's gotten a lot of like interest in wanting to have further conversations about the properties, which I have those names as well, so I'm mailed to and them what too. And what is he doing that is successful? I think he's just sending out generic mailers. Okay. Like the all same, right. so the same mailer. Special. Okay. So hopefully the added specialness will help me get a response. Okay. So those are the updates I have. Starting last week, we started doing the sort of answering the best ever community question of the week, and we're gonna do that again this week. And this week, the question was: You've just been given one million dollars. What's the first thing that you do? I buy one million dollar lottery tickets. <laughs> you buy one million dollar lottery tickets. I like it. What would you do? I don't know. So I was thinking about this, and again, I didn't like get a spreadsheet out and go too psycho about this, but. What I would do is at first take half and invest it in a overall $2 million apartment project. Preferably a value add deal, so maybe find like a $1.25 million property. 50% down? No, no, no. I use $500,000 for 25% down. Okay. An overall $2 million project. Right. That's half. The next $500,000, part of it will be used to, number one, I'd probably pay off my parents' home because mm-hmm. I think I owe them for 
mm-hmm. them creating me and raising me. And then my brother lives in like this group home for people that have disabilities. And my parents actually own the property, but they don't own it outright. And so I'd pay that off. So my brother would always have a house to live in for the rest of his life. You mean they have a loan on it? A mortgage? Basically, Basically, yeah. okay. Got it. And then whatever was remaining, I'd probably invest it in one of your deals. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually probably like two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000 left over. And then with the profits you make from my deals, you would then pay the taxes that you didn't allocate for... Oh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'm, assuming this is, I'm assuming this is tax-free money somehow. Oh, okay. All right, got it. Uh, the million dollars post whatever he pays. Post tax. Post yeah. taxes. Okay. I don't have anything sexy. I would put it in my bank until we come across another deal, and then I would just plunk it, majority of it down in that new deal. So that's what I would do. Would you buy a bigger death clock? Million, I'd buy a, different, a million yeah. dollar I, decked out death clock. That's right. <laughs> I, I get some sequins on there. And maybe a bell for every, every hour second. that passes <laughs> by. <laughs> there you go. That's yeah. good. All right, so there's some miscellaneous items. Be sure to check out besteverconference.com and get your ticket. We still are offering the early bird rate, which is $100 off until Halloween. That's besteverconference.com, second annual conference. And then finally, we're doing something new. We used to do the review of the week, but now we're going to do shout-outs. And so this week... The best ever shout out goes to Justin, and he says, I'm looking for my first syndication deal, a two to four million dollar, 50 plus unit property on the East Coast, anywhere between New York and South Carolina. I'd prefer if the property is poorly managed with opportunity to improve the value via renovations, reduce expenses, and increase rents. I have investors ready and an experienced investor on my team to guide me through the details. I just need a great property to put it all together. And so if you know of a property or where to find a property, you can find and message Justin at his Facebook group, which is Liberty Property Investing. Moving forward, if you want to be the best ever shout out of the week, go to our best ever community on Facebook and create a comment saying shout out and then what you want your shout out to be. Cool. And then Grant, who does our social media, randomly selects one that we get either from that group or some people even email us mm-hmm. and he'll randomly select one and then if yours is selected then you'll be included here and then we might mix it up we might still do a review of the week every now and then too we'll just see how things go cool well thanks everyone i hope i see some of you in dallas at the conference on the 7th And if not, we will talk to you tomorrow via the next episode. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with bestselling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there, too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Ready to bring your real estate investing dreams to life? Learn how to get focused, gain momentum, and the proven roadmap to make it happen with the Time for Investing Masterclass. Doors for enrollment are now open. Reserve your spot today with Neva at Neva, N-E-V-A, at timeforinvesting.com.